calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Take 15 series. My name is Larry Cao. I'm a content director in the Asia-Pacific office of CFA Institute. Multi-asset strategies is a fast-growing product that is taking on an important role in the investment world. Asset owners play an important role and also often have unique insights into this process. Today, we have Philip Defoss, CEO of ERAFP, a pension fund in, in France with us to share with us some of his uh, unique insights. Welcome, Philip. So we've had this discussion about uh, investing from a pension fund perspective, and you've uh, outlined there are a number of issues that you see in the current pension fund uh, regulatory regime and, and other, other considerations, etc. So maybe help me out outline some of these. Maybe we can start from a, a setting the long-term goal. What are the issues that you see in, in, that, in that perspective? I think, um, unfortunately, not all people really realize what uh, pension fund business is. Basically, our mission is to um, invest contributions in assets in order to uh, pay pensions in a quite distant future. For, for example, someone who is 20 today, we will manage uh, uh, money for, uh, for them uh, for the next uh, 50 or 60 years. So very it's a time. very, very long commitment. So uh, it means that the duration of our liabilities is very high. And unfortunately, the regulation does not take that into account, I think. Uh, can, you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, um, if I take the example of ERAF, ERAF is a pension fund that was set up uh, 14 years ago. So we are still at the beginning of the ramping up period for the fund because it will reach maturity in 30 years, basically. So it means that uh, on top of a very uh, long duration on the right side of the balance sheet, we also have a very strong, very important net positive cash flow. Uh, by that, I mean 2.5 billion euro on average every year for the next 10 years. Compared to the total AUM that you have? Uh, 30 billion. So it means that we don't have to sell any assets in order to pay the retirement benefits that we are already started, starting to pay. So um, unfortunately, the regulation is based on the idea that uh, volatility of evaluation of our assets is a good proxy to measure risk. And I think it is not in our case. What are some of the proper ways of setting long-term benchmarks? I mean, you know, if you consider, uh, for example, GPIF in, uh, or NBIM, GPIF, the time horizon for GPIF, as Hiro Mizuno is used to say, is in uh, the 100 years. Mm -hmm. Or for NBIM, who is managing the wealth uh, gotten from uh, oil for the Norwegian people, it's eternal in some way because it's a question of intergenerational equity. So. The idea is not to spend this wealth today, but mm -hmm. to tr transfer it in the future. 
And basically, the mission for NDIM is to pay some sort of perpetual, eternal or perpetual annuity uh, at the rate of 3%. So that there is no real time horizon. Mm -hmm. They are supposed to be there forever and never between brackets. Right. Uh, another situation that, that's quite interesting is uh, oftentimes when we talk about pension funds, we think of pension funds that are underfunded or unfunded. And uh, you mentioned that EARFP is actually a fully funded fund, and that actually brings some unique uh, dynamics into the process. For example, uh, what discount rate to use often actually has unexpected uh, implications in, in that uh, situation. Can you share with us uh, more details on that? We have to be aware that uh, you know, demography is not as important for fully funded schemes as it is for uh, pay-as-you-go schemes. Mm -hmm. Because fully funded schemes are supposed to be um, managed, ensuring they are balanced and they are always in a situation where should they be put in a runoff they would have enough money to pay the last benefit owed to the last beneficiary. And in our case, for example, the coverage ratio of our liabilities is 105, 105% mm. on historical valuation right. basis. So, you know, it's very demanding and uh, it, it means that uh, we have very strong reserve. And it's costly, obviously, because in, uh, in an environment where interest rates are so low. Right. If you are obliged to invest in bonds, as unfortunately is that been the case for us, you know, the expected return you, you can uh, expect mm. from uh, your investments is decreasing. Right. When ERAF was uh, set up, the French OIT, the 10-year treasury bond issued by the French treasury, was paying 450 bips, 4.5%. Mm. Currently, it's paying around 70 bips. Mm. So it has been divided by more than four. Right. So it's very, very low. So what kind of discounting rate you can apply to your liabilities mm. when you are investing so low? Right. And what does it mean in terms of asset allocation on the regulatory framework? I think the um, regulatory authorities should encourage and make possible for real real long-term investors right. to invest much more in what makes possible to get better return. And what makes possible to get better return if it's not investing in the productive economy? By that I mean stocks listed or non-listed, infrastructure, uh, real estate, right. whatever offer a link on index, um, indexation on the nominal um, growth of GDP, yeah. and uh, fixed interest rates uh, uh, assets do not offer that, especially in the current situation where, for me, there is no real bond market anymore because right. you have big players like central banks yeah. that have stepped in and make, made possible things that n nobody would have even thought about. Uh, a few years ago. Right. Yeah, if we had been told that uh, someday you would have to pay to lend money to the treasury of uh, Germany or even France or uh, Japan, yeah. we would not have believed. These are very important points. I think people invest in pension to, to preserve purchasing power. So uh, a benchmark defined in real terms, 
That's only one that seems to make sense. If you, if you look at uh, the return you are getting for, uh, from your investment, if you are looking at um, the valuation on historical basis, if you have no return at all, it means that you cannot discount your liabilities. That's right. And if you cannot discount your liabilities, even less you can revalue the benefits. Mm. So currently, the discounting rate, the minimum discounting rate we are applying to our liabilities is 0 0.9. I see. In real terms. Right. It's, it, it might seem very conservative, but the French OIT in nominal terms is paying less than that. So we are discounting with 0.9 in real terms, but in nominal terms, the French OIT is not paying even that. So it means that I cannot invest in those bonds because it would mean to destroy wealth of error. Right. So we have to switch for something else. But the regulation is going against that you know, a shift in asset allocation. And it's quite unfortunate that it takes so long to convince the regulators to accept that. We, we desperately need that move. This, this case really speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, we, we need to set the right goals for us to have proper performance. And in setting the right goals, we need the, the overall society in general to realize what we're doing, to appreciate uh, you know, our work. I think that's in part why we're doing all this is to not help investment professionals understand the investment process, but to uh, you know, help the general public to, to ask for the right questions and to help regulators appreciate mm -hmm. the, uh, the importance of these, these issues as well. So thank you very much for, for sharing that perspective. As we have discussed, there are cookie cutters to managing pension funds, but there are also unique situations that demands that you have more unique solutions for these uh, situations. So let's discuss some of these uh, situations. Uh, for one, you mentioned that uh, defining risk using volatility may not work in some situations. Can you give us some background? It's obvious that uh, as long as we are putting an equal sign between volatility and risk, mm -hmm. you know, stocks will be considered as more risky than bonds. Right. But if you consider your mission, what is more risky? Is it bonds that are offering a fixed rate interest, or is it stocks that in some way are offering the possibility for you to invest in uh, the nominal GDP growth? If you are currently, if you are buying um, a well-diversified portfolio of stocks in France or in Europe, it is uh, considered as acceptable to inject in the formula to calculate your discounting rate uh, a 1.5 return on average because it seems on a conservative base, basis what you can expect from a, a well-diversified portfolio of stocks. If you, tr if you want to get the same return with a French OAT, you have to go up the yield curve up to 30 years. So if you consider as alternative propositions those two investments, on one hand, you can invest in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, and hopefully, but very probably, you will get a minimum of 1.5% return. 
Well, that was a very informative discussion. So thank you for sharing your insights with, with us, Philip. You're welcome. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, All Rights Reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.